Chapter 2. Southridge School gave me the opportunity to shine in several areas amongst my peers. There's something about a school uniform. It's the great equalizer. Without any branding, the focus becomes on what's on the inside, not on the outside, which ultimately is the most important part. That didn't apply to my shoes. That I had learned all the way back in grade three when I was really first exposed to the concept of cool. I was attending the International School of Kuala Lumpur, ISKL, in Malaysia for half of grade three. At this school, some of the richest families' children in that part of the world attended. The school was world-class in 91. I made a batik pillow cover as an art class project in grade three. They had a dance studio. Obviously, we wore uniform. I wore Bada high tops. You probably don't know anything about Bada unless you lived in South Asia or Southeast Asia. They were the biggest shoe manufacturer and shoe retailer in Asia. Their shoes were designed for the people of Asia. They were big in Asia. Huge. Everybody knows Bada there. So when we got there and I went to school, my shoes stood out big time. One kid even commented on them in grade three. Oh man, Bada, he started. Bada or shit. I'd heard within a week of starting school. What do you say to that in grade three? They were high tops with green, black, and white stripes around the ankles. They didn't look that bad, I thought. Bada or cheap. Hmm, I see. What's wrong with cheap? I thought to myself. I didn't know the answer to that question at that point in time. It was grade three. Should you know that answer? I was embarrassed. I don't know if I had ever felt that embarrassed before either. Being a new student at Southridge, I was much more aware of style and fashion, regardless of the uniform upstairs. I rolled into school that year to start with a pair of Air Max basketball shoes. They weren't cheap, especially for my family. The first time I soared came in an unusual turning of events through the course of a gym fitness run test. As I had earlier mentioned, I had encountered problems with my knees when I was in grade eight. Throughout that summer before switching schools, I spent so much time playing basketball, I cut down on all my chubby back. It seemed that my extra weight had been compounding the problem with my knees. We were on a one mile run around the block directly opposite our school. It was a measured distance by our gym teacher, Mr. P. We had to do this run every so often to measure our fitness. When we started this routine, I was probably running at about eight or nine out of the 14 students in the class. I just had this moment where I decided I want to impress one young ballet. She was a beautiful, short-haired brunette girl that had a burgeoning figure and was in excellent physical shape. Any guy would be immediately attracted to ballet. She was also charming and very intelligent. I could get lost in her eyes. Even with a uniform, one's personal style often shines through. She would later go on to become a doctor, I would assume. I went from being towards the end of the pack in the fitness run to coming just ahead of Bally, but behind Nomis, a decent conditioned soccer player. By the end of that run, a light had gone off in my head. I knew I could just mentally decide I was going to do something and make it happen as long as I could get through the pain. It was a powerful feeling at that age. From there on after, I decided I would be the first in all the fitness runs and went on to do that. 
When we had the great race, when I was a senior in grade 12, I was still the fastest long distance runner in the school, even defending it from Willis, the younger brother of my classmate, Karen, who was taller than me. Willis was about the same size as me all through high school, but right at the end, he grew two inches. I noticed immediately that fall when he came back in grade 11, he had improved a lot in long distance running. It was a challenge to fend him off that year. We were the same age as I had skipped a grade earlier. I only did it through the power of the mind. He should have beat me. Nomis would get the girls in the end, but I would claim the records at our school. Bally was way out of my league. She had braces from an early age. Her father was an orthodontist. My parents couldn't afford to get me braces, they said. By the time they came off, she had a perfect smile and an amazing figure. Nomis, more of an outgoing comedic attention seeker and all-around athlete, would manage to capture Bally's attention for a period in grade 10. No hard feelings. Nomis was a standout guy who even lent me two pieces of his ID so I could get a BC ID for my second year university when I was still underage while everyone else was legal and able to get into bars and buy booze. Respect. Though I do have a sneaking suspicion, Nomis did steal a different girl from me around that time. It seemed Nomis and I had a similar taste in girls the early years at Southridge. Our school, being a private one, had adopted many traditions of the like and decided to have a rowing team for grade 10. I was the captain. A bunch of us trained in the fall and spring, and two of us, Gibby, who was rather overweight and weighed down the skull immensely, and I trained to compete in the BC Summer Games, the provincial-wide competition for athletes in all sports. Gibby and I would travel out to Chilliwack three times a week to train before the competition at the end of July. The ERG tests were the worst, a 2,500-meter timed all-out machine test that would leave your gut wrenching. I puked at least once. During that summer, I hung out a lot with Gibby. Gibby had a swimming pool. I introduced a challenge game we would play. We took a large rock from his mother's garden and put it into the deep end of the pool. Our challenge was to swim from one end of the pool to the deep end, dive down, and pick up the rock and bring it to the surface. We then had to put it outside the pool. We did various variations of that. The challenge of endurance sports is breaking the mind barrier we all set ourselves and having a good pain threshold management ability. During that summer, I was dating a girl from the grade below, Rena. She was the first girl who things went beyond just a kiss. Rena had braces, big shoulders, and a proportionate upper body. We started something up at the end of the school year, but in summer, me not having wheels and having to train for rowing, we didn't really see each other. My summer games fell on a weekend at the end of July. Rena's birthday was also on that weekend. I totally was bummed I couldn't spend time with her. For BC Games, all the athletes went to Burnaby and stayed in a school the weekend of the games. We all slept on the floor. I knew I wouldn't be able to see her, so I planned a surprise present for her. Before the weekend, I bought a bottle of perfume and rode my bicycle over to her house without her knowing. 
I hid the perfume in her parents' garden shed. I called her on her birthday and guided her to her surprise. I could tell there was something wrong in her voice. We would come last in our heat at the games. I could feel our lack of cohesiveness as we paddled to a loss. It was frustrating to say the least. I hated to lose. When I got back to South Surrey that Sunday night, I called Rena and she broke up with me on the phone. When I returned in the fall for grade 11, it seemed no man and Rena had become a thing. Nomis was smooth too. He played it cool. He put a fire in my engine. My proudest accomplishments from Southridge were my basketball achievements. In grade 11, I was appointed co-captain of the team. I wasn't a real vocal leader at the time. In fact, I had no voice. I just led by example. Being the best on the team, that came naturally. I didn't speak out. That would haunt me my entire life not speaking out. However, in grade 12, I was stripped of my leadership position to give others the chance. I think I took it personally, but never made a big deal about it vocally. Bone Rock and Itam would get the reins. We were a small school and competed against other small schools in our league. I stood out regardless of not being the captain. In grade 12, I was awarded most outstanding player in our school, though it was a small margin victory over Ronnie, who had improved immensely the previous summer and had also grown into a heavier position. In the end, I won the award. Our team was ranked in the top 10 in our league. We were fortunate enough to take a road trip to San Diego area to play in two tournaments. We were outsized, outgunned, outskilled, and mostly got dominated down there. I had a few highlights, but nothing spectacular. I did blow two wide open layups down in the States, being chased down by fast, athletic black guys. It got to me mentally. These guys were a different physical specimen. I won several player of game awards or shirts during my time playing. In the final year, we were in the playoffs and I received first team all-star for the season and second team all-star for the playoffs in our league for the point guard position. I was the top one or two point guard in our league. Basketball was huge in my life. I bought books about it. I had The Art of Shooting, a book written by a world record holder for shooting. The author didn't play basketball. He just shot. He would travel the States going around shooting free throws. I think he shot like a thousand in a row without missing. Crazy shit. A standout highlight inspired by him, done by me, that made the local Peace Arch newspaper was when I went 10 for 10 at the free throw line in a game at Semiamu Secondary. Our coach Harry lost his shit when Penny couldn't catch hot passes. Penny had soft hands. He was always dropping the ball when I whipped hot passes over to him. He wasn't the only one. At halftime, Coach Harry set us at the baseline and started whipping basketballs at us to try to get us to catch hot passes. The whole gym felt the embarrassment. Not cool. I think Coach Harry lost a lot of respect from the team. I didn't care as it wasn't me dropping the ball and it was usually me on the other end. The guys deserved the embarrassment. Sometimes an action like that gets people fired up. Coach Harry knew what he was doing. Catching the ball should be basic. I shook my head a few times for sure. The guys on our team were soft as fuck. So yeah, we weren't tough enough. None of us hit the weight room. We were all undersized. Fortunately, they didn't write about the events during halftime in the paper. In grade 10, K-Man came to our school. 
He was coming from a private boarding school on Vancouver Island. K-Man was tough. He brought a good dynamic to the team. He was also our tallest player at 6'2". K-Man was the first one in our class to get a car. He had a black 96 Honda Civic with three-star rims and a 15-inch sub in the back. When K-Man rolled up to class, you could hear it through our modular temporary school building. K-Man also carried a baseball bat in his trunk. In grade 11 at a tournament in a double-A Christian school, K-Man got into a shoving match with one of the big guys on the other team. K-Man wasn't a really good basketball player. He didn't have a consistent shot. He didn't have the greatest hands either, but he knew how to body down low on the boards. He also knew how to foul hard. Fouling hard is an underrated skill. It sends a message to the other team. We're not fucking around and we don't care about the foul call. The next time a player goes up, that flashes through their mind. Hard fouls are part of the mental game. Basketball these days is too soft. The Jordan era was the best. K-Man ended up pulling the bat out in the parking lot. Ronnie, AG, and I, the other two minorities in the class, plus AG from the grade below, also a minority, happened to be getting a ride to the game and home with K-Man. It was kind of a shock. K-Man was pissed after the game. He just wanted to hang around the back of his car before we left that school. He was waiting for that guy to come out. When the guy finally came out, K-Man pulled the bat and went super aggressive mode on this guy. AG also grabbed a hockey stick out of the trunk. Holy shit, was this going down? Was I there to fight, I wondered? I just felt cool rolling with three other brown dudes. I didn't plan this. I was the best player on the team and a leader, I knew better. Ronnie also knew better. We made eye contact. We both felt awkward. I never saw anything like it. It felt gang-like. It felt like a scene out of a rap video. Is this what cool was all about? I thought to myself, am I gonna fight? I hadn't fought since my elementary days. I was no longer a scrapper. I was a baller. I didn't want to be part of this. I realized that K-Man wasn't a baller. He was a troublemaker. I had sold K-Man the fake report card. There's a certain thrill to living on the edge and having a power over it. K-Man was loving this. We all had to meet with Mr. Brown individually. The other school had contacted ours and it left a black mark on Southridge at the time. K-Man and AG ended up being asked to leave the school at the end of the year. Lucky for Ronnie and I, nothing happened. We weren't guilty by association. My grade 11 high school romance who really stirred those teenager emotions was Karen. Karen was considered the smartest in the class as she had the top grades. She was a book nerd. There was something about Karen. She liked to read in English class. For her, it was easy to see meaning in our readings. Being able to see meaning from life had not emanated into my cognition yet. Reading meaning about life in books had. Her parents were doctors and had five children. Karen was the eldest. Karen and I first hit it off during a trip to Manning Provincial Park. Karen and I were sitting next to each other listening to her Sarah McLaughlin CD on the van ride there. We had our bodies next to each other and there was a warm feeling developing between us. 
During the trip, we snuck off together and made out. That was a great feeling. My only other memory from the trip was winning a bit at poker. There seemed to be a bit of downtime from organized activities to gamble. The circle of people playing poker had also expanded into the grade below us, bringing new sources of income. On the van ride home, Karen and I were in the back seat, pretending to sleep, but actually making out. I don't think we were able to keep it hidden with the exception from one of our teachers, the driver of the vehicle. Karen and I would grow closer together that year. Karen already had her license and would pick me up in her parents' black van. We'd go see movies or go to the beach. Having a partner gives you a sense of security and brings warmth into your life. Sometimes she would just park the van on random streets and we would fool around in the back of the van while listening to music. I do remember getting busted in that van once only. We parked at the bottom of my hill. Not long after stopping, we got a rat-a-tap-tap on the window, an elder lady breaking up our late-night fun. I think eventually the novelty faded and my attention went elsewhere. We didn't really have deep conversations, sadly. I knew she had an intelligence that lay beyond her spoken words. Another addition to our class in grade 10 was Bone Rock. I developed a bit of resentment towards Bone Rock because of him having similarities between us. When he joined our class, the class called him by his first name and started calling me by part of my last name. I don't know why, but I didn't appreciate it. It was stupid, but I was particular about things like that. It became my nickname. I also ended up losing the captain position to him. Undoubtedly, I was the better basketball player. He was more vocal. In grade 11, Bone Rock was nominated for president of the new student council. I was nominated for VP by Macker. It was the first moment I was recognized by my peers for my leadership ability. I felt something. You see, I don't like to stand out. It's been an issue my whole life. I used to hate it when I got compliments. I think it stems from when I was a little kid. Parents or other adults, not mine, would always say things like you are handsome or cute. I came to resent it. As a five-year-old in Beijing, I used to get random strangers pinching my cheek. People were complimenting me on my appearance. I think it was because I was mixed race and they had never seen someone like me. The problem was my appearance was the source of my own identity issues, so it became very annoying. I didn't feel handsome or cute. I resented it. I wanted to be complimented on something else other than my appearance. I think that was what drove me so hard at basketball. It was the ability to gather compliments or attention away from my looks. My father never appreciated basketball, it felt like. Growing up in Sri Lanka, he had played cricket, rugby, and tennis. He always thought basketball was a soft sport. The only one of those I really liked to play was tennis. Perhaps he knew it was a tall man's sport. He knew I wasn't tall enough. I didn't have my father's full support. In my mind, it pushed me harder at basketball. My contributions to the student council were limited as it was new in those days. I organized a Valentine's Day secret flower gift. I found a place that sold roses. Then I took rose orders and collected money from 
the various grades. The day of, I had to go with my father and pick up the roses. The roses just came all together in a big bundle. There were a lot of roses. They still had their thorns on them. I couldn't believe it. I hadn't thought about that. I didn't have anything to wrap the roses individually to cover the thorns. I didn't know what to do and I had to get these damn roses out before recess. I was panicking. I cleaned every rose stem by hand in the garage of the administration building, former house up front. My hands were thrashed from the thorns. I made it though. Got all those roses distributed. It went well besides the thorns. Being in a small school and all, you kind of know who everyone is and you see everyone all the time. I definitely was visible as the basketball player. I had a bit of a fan base in grade nine because grade nine girls get like that. In grade 11, after Karen, I fell for a girl two grades below me. She was my classmate, Baxter's sister, Lacey. I'm not sure what it was. At the time, I was a big fan of the show, Party of Five. I had a huge crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt. It was the eyes, the flicking of the eyelashes, and that innocent girl next door look that attracted me to her. And she was compassionate. Lacey pulled me in for similar reasons. Lacey was also athletic and very intelligent, the top of her grade. I remember before we went out, Baxter said something to me like, just don't do anything, man, laughing in an uneasy kind of way. I don't know if that subconsciously programmed something into my head or what, but that relationship didn't last long. Lacey and I ran and rode together. I might have been Lacey's first boy. I think their family was pretty into God. Baxter went to church. His dad was a doctor. His mom seemed like a darling. I used to skimboard and pier jump with Baxter down on the beach in the summer. Baxter had a Fender guitar and was a sick guitarist. He played the bass in concert band, so I sat next to him. We would always joke around in Mr. B's class. Baxter wasn't like the other boys in class. He wasn't into sports at all. He was a skater. He didn't hang with the larger group of boys that converged around ball. I liked hanging out with Baxter separately from those guys. I think Baxter was a bit of a loner in high school. I imagined him playing the guitar a lot with headphones on. Baxter was conservative. I had a lot of respect for Baxter. I turned 16 in grade 11. My birthday is in February. So as soon as I turned 16, I got my license and found my first job at Washington Avenue Grill, located on Semiamu First Nations land, right at the edge of the White Rock Beach and Semiamu. I worked Friday and Saturday nights as a dishwasher and kitchen prep. It was a shitty job, but when you're 16, all you want to do is get your own car. It meant freedom in those days. I no longer hung out with my friends on the weekends to play poker. I had to make some real money. My wage was $7 an hour. Brutal, eh? At the start of summer, it got bumped to $7.50 since the head
head chef thought I was doing a good job. I think it was shortly after I had my bag stolen from the staff room downstairs. I'd lost a cool pair of pants and a backpack. I worked right up till the middle of August and managed to save about $1,700. I bought a 1974 orange Volkswagen Super Beetle, the people's car designed by Porsche, the longest running and most manufactured car produced. It was a one of a kind for me. I never had to look hard for it, but it did have carburetor problems. I had a bit of a beetle bug. I loved the lowered down look of the beetle and even the ragtop style of some modified beetles. Mine wasn't the car of my dreams. The previous decade had way better models. I had beetle pictures up in my locker. I built a wood box in my backyard. I sprayed it with a speckled paint and installed two 10-inch pyramid subwoofer speakers with a pyramid amp attached on the side. Pyramid was a cheap brand you could buy at London Drugs Auto Section. I installed a Pioneer tape deck by myself and had two small indoor speakers up front. I was bumping in the bug now. In grade 12, we no longer had the option to be in band, but I was fortunate to have a music composition class with Mr. B. We got to use digital audio workstations to edit audio. We learned Cubase. It was awesome. Mr. B was a wonderful music teacher. He just had this kindness to himself. He was very musical. He played the trumpet my entire seven years of the trombone. I wish I played the trumpet. The trumpet was cool. It played the high melodies. It had multiple finger combinations. It had a smaller mouthpiece. I had mastered trombone by the end of grade 8 after being part of the junior jazz band at Earl Marriott. I had already been playing first tenor trombone in that band and was reaching high Fs in bass clef. Band at Southridge was way too easy. I think that's why I enjoyed sitting next to Baxter in band class. For him, as a guitar player, bass guitar was a piece of cake. Baxter was also in the composition class. It was fun being able to be in the little music practice rooms working at a computer with headphones and a musical keyboard hooked up. It didn't feel like school. We were creating music masterpieces could emerge. It may have been my favorite class in my time at the school. I made a hip-hop song. It was called Steal the Show. I sampled from Naughty by Nature, Feel Me Flow, and got MC Bliss, the most musical person I knew and cool wingman to sing over it. Yo, 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 it's me, Quicksilver, and the Southridge crew, MC Bliss, and the Black Man 2. The song started out, my first attempt at writing lyrics. What did rappers rap about? Girls, money, cars? Okay, cars. I had a car. Girls, check. Two out of three was good enough for me. Bumping in the bug with the windows rolled down, twisting chicks' necks while we're cruising through the town. That's what you do in high school. 
MC Bliss and I used to hang out in grade 11 summer when I wasn't working at the restaurant. MC Bliss didn't really hang out with the other guys in the class who played sports that much. He was more musically inclined. He had a good taste in music too. He also was a swimmer and hung out with some swimmers outside of the school, mostly girls. MC Bliss got his dad's old 91 white Mercedes. He was the second to get his license. He put a huge sub in that trunk. MC Bliss would always roll up and be pressing buttons and adjusting levels and shit, turning the volume up and down like you were in the cockpit of an airplane or something. I must say, that Mercedes had a really nice beige leather interior with mahogany wood dash, typical superior quality Benz fixtures, and futuristic designed air ducts. MC Bliss always had the temperature set perfectly. To top it off, there was a little black flip up or down switch that just below had the words Rocket Booster, a pure classic. I wonder if MC Bliss or his dad put that in. I never asked. Riding shotgun in the bends was a blast when MC Bliss would be blaring tunes like The Crossroads, which was an epic hit that summer back then. I also asked the only black kid in our school to rap over my song. Alex was mixed race like me. His dad was from the Caribbean. Alex was two grades below us, but his athleticism and interest in basketball brought him into the senior circle. When I left Southridge, the future of basketball was in Alex's hands. He grew in size and filled out, going on to lead the team. Alex would go on to have more success in baseball, playing in the States. Out of the three of us, I was most embarrassed by my rapping and lyrics. Those guys played along, bringing their own lyrics. Respect. I uploaded our song to the internet on some site for independent musicians. I wished I was more musical with something like the piano or guitar or singing, but I never had the patience or determination to learn those harder instruments and skills. One time I was in the music room, the stage of the great hall. I was just fooling around, playing the piano riff of Brian Adams' Everything I Do During Break. I thought I was alone down there. I wanted some time to get at a real piano. I guess Katie and Bally were above on the railing, sitting, studying maybe. They started clapping. It was so embarrassing. I suck. I kind of always loved the idea of being able to play the piano and sing. It can bring real joy to people. I've seen it. Felt it. I took private guitar lessons in grade 8, having been inspired by the jazz band guitarist in grade 8 at Marriott, but never was able to develop a bond with that instrument. I share the same birthday as Bob Marley. Guitar was easy if you had the right groove. During that year, I remember going to play basketball in Abbotsford at St. John Brebeuf. We were there for a tournament. We didn't have names on our jerseys, but somehow, one of the girls in the stands had found my name in the tournament team rosters and was calling out my last name and cheering for me. That was a first. I was embarrassed because my parents were also there. They usually came to watch all my games. I was shy and didn't have any balls to go and ask her number. Etan from the grade below me obliged and helped get her number for me. I think he took the opportunity to ask her friend out. 
Nomis would always call Etan the smooth wedge. It wasn't something I really encountered. I think in grade five in Newfoundland, when we still had a class for religion, one of our classmates would skip that class. Pretty cool, I thought. Kid got to skip class. I didn't even notice it until Nomis began calling Etan out in a jokingly way. Nomis and Etan used to carpool to school. They lived on the same street. Nomis's mother was British and his dad was American. Funny, I thought. Pretty Blue Boy calling out the smooth wedge. Pretty Blue Boy was a nickname Nomis acquired at a basketball game in grade 9 when we played at Kelsa Academy, a Sikh school. Some of these guys had beards. It was weird. They had beards but played basketball like boys. It was like you were playing men but not. It was a real mind trip, man. I would go up thinking I was going to get swatted, but nothing. I sailed through the air unchecked. These guys didn't shower. Some bad B.O. on the court. Brutal. Was that a tactic? It could be. We beat them. It was cordial. They were nice guys. They were laughing at Nomis. He was hairy like them and white as fuck, dressed in our blue uniforms with blue eyes. Pretty blue boy, they blurted out as we went to go shake their hands after defeating them. They probably thought he looked like them, but white with blue eyes. <laughs> the name stuck with our team. We loved it. We called Nomis that to bug him. Nomis had natural, handsome looks and was the most well-rounded athlete in our school. He took that award home. Any dirt on him was fair game. Nomis was the rabbit I chased in terms of getting in better shape early. Leon. Mika was her name and she was a stunning petite Filipina girl. She had a look that I was all about. Beautiful face. That was my first long distance relationship. We would fall asleep talking to each other on the phone. The reality was it was really hard to see each other because she lived quite far away. We got to see each other twice in person. It wasn't meant to be. At a West Point Gray Academy tournament, Etan would tell me after the game I had won player of the game shirt for our team. Our coach had yelled, now that's killer instinct, as I stepped into a three and no hesitation pulled the trigger. When the court opened up, I would hit some deep threes, including one from half court at the buzzer of a Collingwood tournament. That same tournament, I would sit the bench because I refused to play. You see, I was a pass-first point guard. The problem was, I probably should have shot the ball more. I was the best shooter and didn't always realize it. I wasn't selfish enough at basketball. I didn't learn that till much later. At the Collingwood tournament, Ronnie would be a black hole. He had gained a lot of weight and moved into a post position despite not being much taller than me. Ronnie had decent post game but was very undersized for that position. 
Jackson. During the game, he was taking shots that were just bad, way off. Maybe he was having a bad game. I was pushing the ball up the court, and the ball would always find its way to him and never back to me. It was frustrating to say the least. It got to me. I could feel myself not running back to play defense. I took myself out of the game. When coach tried to sub me back in, I refused. I felt like coach should have seen what was going on. Before I came off, I put up a few shots that were outside my range. Our coach Dougie pushed us in the time he had with us. It was a good attempt. He was trying to get the guys fired up. We were lucky that we got to the places for camps and tourneys because of him. He was always driving that damn van. Remember when he jumped the entire van length to check on that bottle I filled? He wouldn't pull the van over and I needed a piss. I used a bottle. I filled it right up too. I was in the back seat. It was discreet. He didn't stop. I had no choice. After I had filled it and announced it to the team, I decided to pull a joke and said, who's is this? I held it up, knowing it was the coaches. <laughs> that led me to get a job at a new movie theater in Langley, Colossus. At the interview, they asked me if I could tell a joke. I stumbled. I have a terrible memory for jokes. The only joke I can remember was from our basketball team manager, Little Jammy, the teddy bear. He had a pure money release jump shot. He looked like he could be the little Buddha reincarnated. The nicest little Korean guy you will ever meet. The joke, however, was sexist. I was unsure how to proceed. I said, um, are you sure? It's a little dirty. That's okay, said the hiring manager, who was of Asian descent. I proceeded to tell the joke. So, there's a plane carrying passengers flying at 30,000 feet, and the pilot comes over the speaker and says, Folks, I'm afraid we're going to have to make an emergency landing. One of our engines has failed. The passengers start panicking, and this beautiful young woman starts wailing and crying, saying they are all going to die. She tells the man sitting next to her that she's never felt like a woman before and asks him to help. The man, a young, good-looking, muscular guy, stands up, rips off his shirt. He throws it at her and says, wash it, bitch. Jam went on to become a pastor. I did something to Jam once that I will never forgive myself for. We were in Cranbrook on a road trip for ball. The team was already inside the gym. Jam and I went back to the team van to get some equipment. It was the early morning cold. It reminded me of Newfoundland. I was irritated that morning. I got irritated by things easily, especially in the morning. I don't remember what Jam said to me. Maybe he called me a name. Maybe he was joking around. Maybe he did something to mock me. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. The result was me spitting on him. He wiped it off in disgust and said, What are you doing? You spat at me? I don't know what had gone into me. I was up on the bench seat. Jam was standing below with the doors open. I was stunned. I'm sorry, I said. I'm sorry, I repeated in my mind. What had I done? Was I racist? I thought to myself, I was half Asian. Jam was pissed and stormed back towards the gymnasium. I know he would forgive me. 
That year, our team went to a basketball camp at Eastern Washington University. It was huge. The university had massive gymnasiums. There were so many teams there. So many built, tall, black dudes. The tallest guy on our team couldn't have been more than 6'2", Macker. I nicknamed him for his future lady skills. I introduced the guy to hair gel too. Macker played small. He had a decent shot, but he was timid and liked to fade away. He had a late growth spurt, and he had issues adopting to the size change and body control. Ewash was an eye-opener. The world of basketball was big. Most guys that played basketball were tall. Guys like my height were few and far between. When I played against these guys, the biggest difference, apart from the obvious height difference, was their strength and speed. I went flying a couple of times. I didn't move like these guys. I was on a fast break at the competition and a guy ran me down from behind and got in front of me and he just appeared like poof. It freaked me out so much. I tried to reverse spin on the fast break. Ridiculous. I was running way too fast and spun out of control, ending with hurling the ball up in a wild attempt using my left hand. It was uncalled for. I should have gone straight up. These guys had gone in my head. They had bounced to their step. It was like they had Inspector Gadget shoes on. Did these guys train that much harder than us? Maybe. This was the States. Basketball is big here. But wait, I trained hard. I was in great conditioning. The best on my team and school, I thought to myself. I had dedicated five years of my life to playing basketball. They must have had a head start. I got the job. It was working at New York Fries. They put me there. The job sucked, but there were some perks like free movie tickets and discounts on food. Free poutine. There was a Baskin Robbins ice cream shop next door and a back service walkway between the two fast food outlets. One day when I was working and returning back from break, I saw the most beautiful curly haired big-eyed Mexican girl. She was working right next to me. I was super attracted to minority girls at the time. We made eye contact and instantly there were sparks. She smiled with her eyes as well as with her mouth. A warm feeling came through me. I asked her out and she became my girlfriend towards the end of my senior year. She lived in Langley and went to Brookswood. She was also in grade 12 and we went to each other's proms. We would meet in the back service way, out of the line of sight of the surveillance cameras. It was fleeting moments. She was staying home and taking some classes at college. I would be going away for university. Apart from playing basketball and working, I spent all summer with Tia. I was madly infatuated with her. Tia came from a traditional Mexican Catholic family that had immigrated to Canada several years before for prom. The 14 of us obviously don't take up much space. 
So our prom was organized at Morgan Creek. Our parents were there and our dates. I think MC Bliss and I were the only ones with dates outside of our school. The grads danced a bit and got pictures taken. It was kind of lame, actually. The after party was at Karen's house in her basement. I guess this was the safe place to drink for the new grads until I rolled up. We had all agreed it would be the new grads only. We rolled in the bends that night. MC Bliss had the AC real low. By the time we got to Karen's, it had been a while. Everybody had started drinking, or so it seemed. Up until this point, I had only ever been buzzed or drunkish once before in my life. It was when we went on a school ski trip to Big White. I was dating Karen at the time. A couple of badasses at the school, Chuck and Kent, had acquired beers and smokes. Kent had his brother's ID. Chuck invited me to join them. Chuck was a character at our school. I think he had issues with authority. He probably got whatever he wanted. His family was one of the richest in the province. Mining, I think. He had a squash court inside his house, amongst other exquisite architectural creations that resided within the gorgeous mansion. You would pull up to the circular ring driveway with a pond in the center. We went there once for a party. Chuck had a huge blue and white suburban raised up on big wheels. It looked like a monster truck next to my little bug sitting there in the school park. He probably parked next to it on purpose. Chuck was fucking short. Chuck was cousins to our classmate, Katie. I often sat close to Katie. Back in the day, I would joke around with Joey. I would shoot paper balls into Katie's hair. I think Joey had a crush on Katie. It got a real rise out of him. It was hilarious. Katie would turn around and say, What are you guys doing? We'd break out laughing and giggling. It was immature. It was funny. She had a sexy voice. Her mother was British. I'd try to listen in on her, whispering to Bally. Kent was on our basketball team, but was quiet. He was a stoner. We drank below the snow-covered trees. I got to chug some beers. We laughed a lot and things were funny. It was fun hanging out with the badasses. Living on the edge gave you an adrenaline rush. Afterwards, I joined Karen in the hot tub, which was surreal being there outside in the hot tub with snow falling, a nice buzz and her company. Arriving late to the party, I decided I needed to chug some booze a bit to catch up. There was a microphone and speaker there. I started rapping into it with music in the background or saying stuff I thought was funny at the time. All of a sudden, I had a strange feeling. I had to get out of there. I had to go to a different place. I went to a different room. I was looking for something. What? Things were spinning out of control. Was I gonna fall over? A garbage bin. I had to puke. It was tequila and vodka. That was the last thing I remember of grad night. I guess they found me in that room. Thank God. Had they missed me? I woke up in a bed thinking, where the fuck am I? My head was spinning. I got up off the bed. Wait, these aren't my boxers. Fuck. They were Willis's. 
I guessed as I looked down, I found my way to the bathroom. I had this recollection of the bathtub flash through my mind. Oh, fuck. What did I do? What happened? I called my parents and asked them to come pick me up. I found my clothes and got dressed. I slipped out of the house. What a night. It must have been. I'm lucky there were doctors in the house. They had taken care of me. I never spoke to some of these people ever again. The rest would cross my path in the near future. My coach in grade 12 had played basketball in the States and had some friends who were coaches in Canada. He hooked me up with a tryout at UNBC the summer I graduated. I had only applied to three universities, UVic, SFU, and UNBC. I got denied at SFU and accepted at UNBC. That summer, I flew up to Prince George for a tryout. I was nervous as hell. I was the smallest guy there, and we were trying out against men who had already been playing in the college league. The two guys who went to try out with me from high school were both from Alberta, both bigger than me, and one was also trying out from the same position. He was 6'1". I was out of my league at the tryout. I was too young. There was a bench press test with 245s as the baseline. The test was to do as many reps as possible. I was so anxious. I had never lifted that amount of weight once. I had probably tried benching 30 pounds less than that before. I was small and undersized. Nobody had taught me how to work out to get strong before. My body wasn't developed like theirs. I was 17 years old. I managed to pump the bar eight times. The other guys cheered me on. I don't know if they helped me with the weight. I couldn't believe I had done it eight times. It was 100% adrenaline that did it if it wasn't them helping. By the end of the trial, I had earned a red shirt spot with three guys already filling up my position. Red shirt meant that I would be given a spot to practice with the team and that's it. Not traveling with the team or playing in any games. I was still happy I got offered the red shirt position and planned to arrive at UNBC the end of the summer. By mid-August, I received a late acceptance letter to UVic. Eight out of the 14 grads in my class were going to UVic. My parents were ecstatic I got into UVic. I also got late acceptance to the dorms. Surprise Surprisingly, too, UNBC wasn't as good a school. It was new and didn't have much of a reputation. It was also in Prince George and winters there suck. I guess it was the fear of going alone and the red shirt position did not make me optimistic. The fact that I would be the number four point guard after I had been the best player at my school did not appeal to me. I started to think about my size. Maybe that was it. I remember those black guys in the States I had encountered. I had this creeping feeling about my knees in the back of my mind. There was something about my legs, my ankles. They roll easily. I've rolled my ankle tons of times playing basketball. Even so bad I couldn't walk and needed crutches. As an adult, I've rolled my ankle just standing there, if you can picture that. 
Aquarius, I guess. Achilles heel. I have to watch where my feet land when I walk. A misgroove in the ground and I could roll my ankle. My parents wanted me to go to UVic. I also had a girlfriend that I would still be able to see semi-regularly if I was only a ferry ride away from home. I made the decision and called the coach. You know that talk about don't regret things in life? This was one of those moments. I can't say I regret the decision, but it was a moment that you could regret the decision. I was walking away from what made me my identity. It wasn't easy and I felt empty after it. Had I walked away from my fate? 